Um, and if you are here, and I haven't mentioned your name, sorry, Kieran, I've got you. Thank you. I'll, I'll get as many as I can. <clears throat> when Jesus was born, he fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies. It's incredible. Um, when we look into all those prophecies that were made about the Saviour, we see there's well over 3,000 prophecies specifically that Jesus fulfilled. And um, what we ought to focus on, I think, as, as the church, and, and maybe you're a Christian here today, perhaps you're not, but as a, as a Christian believer myself, what I think is much more important to focus on is the return of Jesus Christ. And, and as we've seen Jesus fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies, when he comes back again, it brings a fulfillment of Old and New Testament prophecies and the culmination of world history as we know it. And that's something when you have that confidence in God, not something to be fearful of, but something to be grateful for and look forward to. And that is called having hope for life. And hopefully this morning um, we may instill something, or the Holy Spirit, more importantly, will instill something of hope and purpose for your future. So it's a significant uh, thing that we acknowledge Jesus was born, truly God, and, and fully man, fully human. Because with that, we also believe as he came once as a baby and lived as a man, died uh, for our sins on the cross, we also have this hope and faith that he's going to come back again to gather his church to himself, his bride. So I've got a, a, a little thing here. Our Bible isn't a history book of the past. It's a prophetic, a prophetic voice into the future of the world. And so we do make a huge mistake if we think when we read our Bible, well, this is all sort of like history because it is. But even in the Old Testament and every single part of it, it prophesies into the future of humankind, the world and eternity. And I think that's a good thing to have in our back pocket. So we're going to begin with just one prophetic um, pointer to Jesus. And uh, we're going to go back to the, to the uh, time of the kings in Israel and Judah. There's a king called Ahaz. He was the king of Judah. And the time frame is approximately 700 years before Jesus. Now, if you're really, really good at history, how long has the United States been a nation? Nobody knows. How about Australia? How many years, Australia? 200? Well, this is double that and a little bit more from the time this prophecy was spoken to the day Jesus was born. And it, it tells us this. Ahaz, was, uh, he was the king of Judah uh, about 700 years before Jesus. Um, now, the prophet Isaiah, um, he's trying to encourage this king Ahaz to trust only in God, and he delivers this strange prophecy. Now, Ahaz, he's a pretty smart king, and he's, he's seen kings get it wrong, get it drastically wrong. And so um, Isaiah the prophet speaks to him and says, ask God for a sign. And he says, well, I don't want to offend God because he's seen generations of kings have just got it wrong. And he says, I don't want to offend God. I don't know what to ask for. And so Isaiah says, okay, then God will give you the sign. And this is what it says, Isaiah 7, verse 14. I'll put it on the screen for you. 
The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So if we fast forward then 700 years to the book of Matthew. Fast forward, everyone give us a fast forward noise. Perfect, thank you. Look at that well-trained church around here. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verses 22 and 23. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which we saw how many years earlier? 700 years before. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And perhaps one, one little point that we need to just think and stop on today and this Christmas season is if God was with us then, then he is still today. And perhaps you need to um, reconnect yourself with that relationship with Jesus and saying, well, God, I, I want to have that closeness. And that's why Jesus came as he did, so that he can bring a closeness of relationship with us and himself. So here we have the fulfillment of the prophecy 700 years later. And that's just one. There is well over 300. I think it's almost closer to 400 prophecies that relate specifically to Jesus. And if you're a mathematician and you work out the odds of that um, working out, it's huge. It's too big for me. I was just a plumber, not a mathematician. So I can't work that out. But I want to give you some Christmas facts. Who's ready? You need to put your seatbelt on for these because it could be offensive. This, could this, this next segment could cause offence. So put your seatbelt on, put your spiritual um, protection on and say, I'm not going to be offended by anything that he says right now. Okay, point number one. Christmas facts. The word Christmas isn't in the Bible. Sorry to block your, your expectation there. Christmas trees are not in the Bible. Who thought they were? Don't put your hand up. <clears throat> Christmas ham is definitely not in the Bible. Here's, here's one that you may be surprised at. Mary riding to Bethlehem on a donkey is not in the Bible. I am sure. It says they travelled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but it doesn't say she rode on anything. So poor old Mary was just like, oh, just... They probable, but not historical. Oh, that's, that's big words. She riding a donkey to, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 
Did I say Jerusalem before? Bethlehem. It's just nearby. It's, <laughs> it's probable, but not exactly historical from a Bible perspective. Look it up. Because when I first heard that, I thought, that is not, no, she must have rode a donkey. A donkey called Mario, I'm sure. <laughs> but as a believer in Jesus, it's important we don't major on the ham, the turkey, or any other traditional icons that we associate with Christmas. I'll, I'll give you a thing for that. Christ came to earth as a baby. What is most important is we believe that Jesus Christ came to earth as a baby and fulfilled the prophetic purpose to make a way for people to be made right with God. That's, that's the most important thing. And hopefully we can uh, get that this morning. See, we're in a culture of consumerism that promotes Christmas without Jesus. Now, I'm not here defending Christmas. I'm preaching Jesus was born as a person to fulfill God's prophetic plan. So Christmas is a great season. We celebrate, we come together as families, we come together as friends, we sing Christmas carols, and we love that feeling. It's a very, personally for me, it's a very romantic time of the year. There's nothing like carols by candlelight next to the girl you love. Is there, darling? <laughs> but the birth of Jesus signaled the start of a new relationship between God and people. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the last few weeks I've been trying to think, what am I going to speak about Christmas? And I've been getting overloaded with Easter messages. I've got so much for Easter next year. We're going to have to have a full service every day for the whole Easter, from Good Friday to to the Friday after. And I was getting desperate. I thought, I need to put, find Christmas songs. And, and I, I found Dean Martin. Christmas songs. And then I started listening to these other Dean Martin things. And I'm starting to love Dean Martin. It was like, he's pretty cool. And then I just kept playing, repeat the same songs. Dean Martin, I love you. But Jesus' birth signaled the start of a new relationship between God and people. And we often worry about Christmas, I mean, we ought to worry, I should say, we ought to worry about a Christmas without Jesus. And that's a personal thing. And I, I want us to, to understand that the power of the Bible, the power of Christ is, the, is prophetic and we need to connect ourselves in a prophetic way, spiritually, that we start to see and understand and, and walk our way through life with a new perspective, with Jesus in our life, not just on Christmas Day. And what's the, the most important thing is to think about is living with Jesus every day. And that is possible. The book of John, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I like that little skit we just saw and the... The, the, they're saying, well, what, what are we going to send down, like an army, or, or um, we're going to condemn the world? God says, no, we're going to send a baby, and we're going to save the world. I think that's so descriptive, and it is so true of God. Jesus' birth gave God a human body so he could demonstrate to us who he really was in the flesh. By the time Jesus was born, 
the Jewish system that was supposed to demonstrate a holy people separated for God to display God's wisdom and his holiness and his grace to the world was totally corrupted and it actually kept people away from God. It didn't help people to see God. Even the Jews were lost. The people who God had who'd given all that, all that uh, uh, responsibility to. And so God had to come and bring a new way. We, I want to make this clear to you this morning. Jesus coming as a baby wasn't about organizing a religion or setting up festival dates so we could all have a public holiday. Although who loves that? Yeah. Oh, I'm not complaining. It's a good, uh, sorry, it's a good idea to remind yourself what Jesus has done. Things like Jesus made a way for me into heaven. That's our future. Remind yourself of these things. Jesus made a way for me. Not because I was good, because I wasn't good, but because he was so good. He made a way for me. So Jesus has a plan for the future, not just in life, but in death. We need to think about that a little bit more sometimes. Jesus is the light to my path. Remind yourself, that's for living now. Jesus, you're the light to my path. Jesus is the, is the word of God made flesh. So if you want to know what's, what path should I take in life, then associate yourself with the word of God. Live by that. It's a light to your path. That's, that's Jesus instructing my now, my today, my, my next day, as long as I'm here. Um, Jesus is God's connection to me and everyone around me. That's purpose for being here. Three amazing things we need to remind ourselves about. Number one, Jesus made a way for me into heaven. Second thing, Jesus is a light to my path. And Jesus is God's connection between me and everybody else. And when we start to uh, relate to other people with Jesus as the fluid between us, life begins to take on a whole new meaning. Matthew 2, verses 1 to 2. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. See, when these men came from the east, they said that they saw this star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. Maybe these days we'd call these guys astrologers, I'm not sure. But they saw something in the heavens, a sign of the Saviour. They followed that sign until they found the baby. And what did they make of this baby? What were they looking for? A prince, no doubt? A palace? A prince in a palace or, or, or a mansion, the, the, the child of, of a of an army commander or a general or something or a king they found a baby in verse 31 it says they entered the house these wise men and by the way here's another bit of bible trivia it doesn't say there was actually three uh oh they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother 
Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure, they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. They found a baby. They found the Saviour, the promise of God, the fulfilment of hundreds of prophecies. They found him and they were convinced that they had the right one. And I want us to learn a lesson, learn something from these wise men. Just from that one little scripture. It says they bowed. That describes a reverence and an awe for God in our life. And perhaps you've, you've never had that before. Perhaps you, you have, but you've sort of let the awe factor down in your life. I love the story of Jacob. It says when he was, when he was escaping from his brother and he camped out the first night, he, he laid a rock on the ground as a pillow and it says as he slept, he had a vision of heaven and he saw angels going up and down from heaven and he, in this sight, he was so amazed, he woke up and he said, how awesome is this place? And I, I really think we, we need to experience some how awesome moments with God in our life. And, and it's not like, well, I go to church, it's so dull and so boring and so, so lifeless. You've got to foster a relationship in your life where you, where you have those moments where you say, God, you're so awesome to me. Jesus, I want to have that that." eyes open in my spirit to, to recognize and realize those awesome times that you're so good to me. And I'm going to pray a little bit later on and I'm going to, I hope that the Holy Spirit is going to create moments where you suddenly realize the awesomeness of Jesus Christ for yourself. The next thing, so they bowed, they, they had a reverence and awe. And it wasn't like Jesus was performing some amazing miracle. He was just an innocent little baby that they recognized the call and the fulfillment of every prophecy was in this child. They worship. That describes their heart attitude of thanks. Never ever allow yourself to get so content with life that you, you forgot to say thank you. You know, you, there's a, it's something in our culture that's really offensive. If you do something good for somebody or if you give someone a gift, and they don't even say, thank you. Who would be offended? Or if you serve someone, you think, I did my best, and I, everything turned out right, the roast was beautiful, the potatoes were perfect, and the family just got up and didn't even say, thank you. Don't be surprised if that's you, that you don't walk out with a gravy on your head. But there's, there's something within us as people relating to each other where we we recognize what thank you means and these these wise men they worship and that's a great description of their heart attitude of thanks towards God saying thank you God now these guys haven't got the history that we see of who Jesus became we have the history we have the knowledge and sometimes we just say oh, you know what I'm just going to play it cool you know what, maybe this season, this time between now and the end of the year, start to find something to give thanks to God for. Something that you can say, Jesus, I, I want to honor you. I want to thank you. Stop looking at 
what's not in your life and start saying, God, thank you for what I have. I know, for for example, you might sleep in the bed. You say, thank you, because there's probably more people in the world who, who don't live in beds than those who do. Maybe you've got hot running water. You're in the top 2% of the population of the world if you have hot running water in your house. Start being grateful for things that we think is just what life is. The third thing, it says they presented offerings of treasure. That describes their commitment to his purpose. And you know something? We've all got treasure deep within us. We've all got I guess, worldly treasure as well. But what this describes is they came and they offered their treasure. They gave it to Jesus in honor of who he is. So this Christmas, I hope for every single person here today that you can discover Jesus as the wise men did. Discover the awe. Be able to worship him with genuine thanks and to open your treasure and lay it at his feet. And that, I believe, is the true meaning of Christmas. Can I pray for you this morning? And I'm just going to ask the, the, uh, the choir and the team back and they're going to sing, sing another song for us as we, as we conclude. But I just do want to pray. Just bow your heads and I want to ask that God may put upon people this morning a hunger for the prophetic in their life. Jesus' whole life was was aimed about fulfilling the prophetic words that had been spoken over the earth about a saviour, about a king, about a prince of peace. I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may come and speak into people's hearts this Christmas season. Lord, I pray for those who have found it difficult to give thanks. I pray for those who maybe have never had an awe experience with you. And perhaps if they have, but it's been a long time ago and they've wandered away, then Lord, I pray that you restore that awe part of our lives. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you've given us so much. You've given us treasure. And maybe that treasure has been buried by life, buried by problems, buried by by issues. Lord, I pray that you begin to scrape away the sand, scrape away the, the rocks and the broken pieces. And help us to see, Lord God, and bring back to you and open our treasure and say, God, what I have is yours. I want to honor you and I want to give you my life to serve and to honor you. Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Let your Holy Spirit begin to touch people's hearts today and begin to open their eyes, open their ears to see the prophetic gift that is prepared for them and how that connects to the world. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you came. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a fantastic Christmas.